Before we begin, please refer to the disclaimer and link in the podcast notes, and note that all opinions expressed in this podcast are intended for informational purposes only and should not be treated as investment or financial advice. Welcome back to the Collective Shift channel. Today, we'll be discussing a recent post by our senior research analyst, Nick, on the state of the metaverse as we get into 2023. It's definitely been a heavily funded area in 2021 and 2022 in the blockchain space. And we really want to, I guess, get this report out to our members and now discuss it here with our YouTube viewers and um, those listening on the podcast. So yes, this post was published uh, a couple of weeks ago for our Collective Shift members. And it's an example of the types of posts that we are, you know, pushing out every, every week uh, for our members to help them save time and make informed investment decisions. Nick, I'll hand it over to you to take things away. Awesome. Thanks for that, Matt. Yeah, this one was a really interesting one because metaverse was, I think, one of the biggest buzzwords of 2021, especially with like meta and Facebook rebranding to meta. So it was really important to sort of keep track of this narrative, especially with other narratives coming into the front, the forefront and a lot of people questioning whether this is still like a relevant thing in the market, uh, which in my opinion, you know, is really still uh, heavily invested, a lot of news coming out. And I think all of this is just going to continue to keep being built on in the coming years. So really keen to get stuck into it. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect time to, to like take scope of where things are at. And yeah, I think the, the most obvious place to start, Nick, metaverse is like very broad term. Like a lot of people have different interpretations. So I'm interested to, you know, after all your, your researching, what's sort of the general definition that, that you sort of apply to the metaverse? So the definition I apply is something that's related to like a really scaled and dynamic sort of network of interconnected, I guess, virtual worlds. Uh, so you can think of this as real focus on 3D, a focus on sort of everyone being able to experience it together at once by a really unlimited amount of users. So at the moment, uh, this may sound like what we have at the moment with some plat- platforms like Roblox or Minecraft, but there's serious limits on how many people can actually play these games at once. And often if you go to play in Minecraft, you may be able to only play with like 50 or whatever, 100 players um, before like, your server gets split up into a thousand different ones. So the metaverse kind of looks at this idea that instead of having thousands of these different uh, virtual worlds that you may be able to experience, you sort of experience them all together in, in, in the one. So it's sort of persistent, um, and it's got a real focus on being integrated and uh, really interconnected with a wide range of like goods and services um, and also like NFTs. Yeah, sure. Very well said. I think, yeah, there's probably, you know, just to add my take on there, I think there's been versions of it to your point um, over the past decades. I think Second Life was probably a real you know, early example of some sort of metaverse, this, this virtual experience. Um, but yeah, I think your point of, you know, being in real time with others, uh, is a big one. And then obviously that, that idea of user identity, uh, or sovereign, sovereignty over your data and identity is sort of then where you bring the, the blockchain aspect into it. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a very polluted sort of term now. So I'm glad we kicked things off there, uh, with the definition. Um, but yeah, moving on from that, I suppose in terms of the significance of, of the metaverse, you know, we hear it said so like so often just it's almost lost all its meaning but you know just a very simple question like why why does the metaverse matter uh it's kind of i think it's a big deal the way i think about it is 
it can be sort of seen as a land grab in terms of influence over this metaverse sure. just because of the sheer market opportunity that is sort of being appeared. Uh, we can look at estimates ranging from, you know, Bloomberg to JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, Deloitte, uh, McK- McKinsey. They're all sort of differing in, in their actual number because it's actually quite hard to quantify exactly what is like the metaverse and like what is this market opportunity because it's so varied in its interpretation. But there's, you know, ranges anywhere from like the, you know, the one trillions by 2024 to like the, you know, tens of trillions, <laughs> you know, by you know, seven to 10 years. So it's hard to actually pin down one number, uh, but it's clear that there is a big scope for this, which is why I think it's a big okay, opportunity and why it's so important to track and monitor. Because as we're seeing examples like, you know, Roblox and Minecraft, as we've mentioned, Facebook's, uh, you know, Horizon World, we're going to see, and we're already seeing sort of crypto native approaches to this saying that, uh, you know, we don't want Web2 companies to control the metaverse and control these this new platform that may be appearing. And we want these like decentralized alternatives uh, where we have more control over like data, over your stuff that you buy. Um, classic example is like getting kicked off your land if you're heavily, you know, invested and <laughs> put a lot of time sunk into some of these Web2 ones. Uh, whereas it's kind of against the ethos, I think, for these decentral these decentralized alternatives that they'll be able to say, hey, you can't just get kicked off this, you know, land or you know, taking your items revoked in this sort of new new world. Yeah, understood. Yeah, some heavy sort of estimates there from these sort of consulting companies and different financial uh, institutions, where you know that almost is a strong indicator that hey, there is something here, or at least many thousands of people think there's something here. Um, and then, yeah, about connecting, connecting like with others. I think that's a big opportunity to just deepen the emotional sort of connection and, and the way that I guess we can operate as society. So it's like, yeah, very vast implications. Um, as you sort of touched on. Because it's, um, you even seeing reports about, uh, guess kids that are going up these days that they're actually demanding like, like Robux instead of like actual dollars. Right. And these and these kids that are like growing up in this native internet that, you know, so it's sort of they're going to be able to increase their spending power as they become adults. And it's sort of this interesting phenomenon where you're going to be sort of spending a lot of your more time and a lot of your money inside these, you know, virtual platforms, which is where we've seen, you know, people like Nike and Adidas really start to target like in good, like in item games and all that sort of thing. Because the market opportunity for that is just so massive to, um, you know, purchase things that you can take around with you on the internet that can jump in two different games and things like that. Yeah, understood. Now, definitely spoken to a few people, uh, even this past few months of their their kids, sort of, you know, either taking their credit card or, or at least asking them uh, to to buy some certain, you know, online virtual goods. So it's all heading that way for sure. Uh, but to bring it back to like twenty twenty three, you know, starting off or in end of February now. Uh, what's sort of like your, your just take on, on the state of play? I know that was sort of the next thing you, you talked about in your report. Yeah, so I think we can look at the negative first. The negative is that I think with the downturn of like technology stocks mm. and I guess what happens when there's overinvestment in sort of this new new shiny narrative that happens in the last couple of years, uh, it sort of combines with, you know, poor, poor economic outlook that, I think a lot of these companies have had to like make a lot of cuts. Mm. I know Microsoft, I think 10,000 people from the metaverse division, meta is similar. 
and even big Chinese companies like Tencent, uh, they've sort of scrapped their VR hardware um, due to like a sobering economic outlook. Right. Um, so we're seeing some cuts in those regards. Uh, but a major theme I saw in the positive was these sort of alliances come together from uh, the Open Metaverse Alliance, which was formed in November 2022, uh, which was these Web3 companies and, you know, these crypto native voices. Uh, and then the Metaverse Standards Forum, which happens in June 2022, with I think 33 of the biggest tech companies looking into the Metaverse. So on this front, we're seeing, you know, a lot of serious um, collaboration and investment um, from these companies, especially if we look from like how much is actually being spent. I think a good example here was even uh, companies like Lego, you know, mm. were following partnerships with Epic, Epic Games, you know, to build like a kid-friendly metaverse. Um, there's much more of these examples of just sheer investment into the space, um, even from government. Like I know uh, com- uh, people like Japan, um, and even like South Korea, South Korea is building yeah. like this sort of virtual rep- replica of the capital city. Right. So it's really interesting that you're seeing this push for, you know, these metaverse, these virtual worlds. Uh, and I sort of dive into the cryptocurrency alternatives there in a sort of air table that I'm kind of calling my sort of database for this sort of thing. Nick, I know in uh, previous sort of videos that we did on, on the gaming report, for example, you mentioned the likes of Sandbox and Decentraland uh, and then obviously in this video so far you talked about lego or even just roblox or minecraft you know there's i imagine what you found in these reports is just a, a wide sort of landscape of different types of uh metaverses and i suppose the way they're sort of structured could you maybe just talk a bit about how you at least sort of conceptualize this whole ecosystem of, of different metaverses yeah it's kind of hard to get tied up into definitions too even mm. when you're talking about breaking them up into centralized First, decentralized, because I think we, you know, we, I think we discuss a lot that decentralized is like a real spectrum. Um, it's kind mm. of that end state a lot of these platforms want to get to, but they're currently still centralized. So you can kind of break them up into like Web2 native metaverses versus Web3 native metaverses. So as you said, your Web2 metaverses are your likes of like Roblox and Minecraft, um, which are really gate, uh, really gatekeeped by these big companies, these big tech companies, whereas these Web3 alternatives like Decentraland and Sandbox aim to, I guess, provide users with more access over the data, but also greater access over their like in-game items and the in-game currency that that's fueling that. Um, I've got an example here as well. Things like Alluvium are working at creating their own lands and sort of experiences uh, with their assets being able to be used across their different games um, and things like even Axie Infinity that are presenting their uh, land that's coming up. Um, we're also seeing other models like Nifty Island who are not pursuing like a scarce uh, lands model, which mm, is a really right. interesting one that I'm keen to look at, which is completely different to the rest of these other metaverses um, out there in the crypto ecosystem. So they're really looking at, you know, making it easy for anybody to play it uh, and sort of ignoring this sort of land scarce uh, idea that a lot of these other ones are pursuing. Yeah, fascinating. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, which sort of uh, metaverses tend to win out over the decades ahead or if, if if it is that sort of a theme or whether it is just a bit more random. Um, but, yeah, thanks for that. Um, and then, you know, I know you alluded to some challenges earlier with respect to, you know, the economic sort of downturn leading to job losses in, you know, tech 
tech uh, companies in particular. Um, but I'm sure you probably came across some, some other, some other challenges, you know, with the metaverse category overall. Uh, could you maybe just talk through, you know, two or three of those challenges that you saw? Yeah. So I think, uh, one main one is the technology challenge. That is just a sheer, um, issue in terms of like bandwidth, computing, graphics, infrastructure, all these things that need to come together to, uh, present that definition I talked about earlier about being persistent and everyone being able to experience it at once at the moment right. the technology is just not there um i know like one of the guys one of the vice presidents from intel was saying how there should be like a thousand x improvement in in like compute to deliver this so it's still a massive technological challenge as well as like other things like you need to have greater emerge immersion and so like wearable technology is really important uh other challenges are like the Yes, the monopolization challenges. Um, Apple's been famous for having a 30% tax and fee on its app store. And you can really, uh, they really strangle what can happen, you know, in, in their ecosystem. Um, there's a good quote here by Tim Sweeney, who is the CEO of Epic Games, who's, you know, he was a massive metaverse bull. He sort of says that until we are, maybe the law overcomes this or, opens up the market to more competition that Apple sort of has effectively outlawed the metaverse. So right. a lot more of, of these technical challenges and legal, you know, monopolization challenges uh, to really open up these platforms for everyone to use because that won't be, uh, be able to experience by people if uh, games that are launching on there in their metaverse, you know, have to pay Apple like one third of their revenue just, just for the privilege of being mm. there. Yeah, and no, that's certainly a, a talking point that's an issue that's come up, you know, over the years with respect to Apple and their, you know, arguably their monopoly, monopoly when it talk, comes to app stores and or apps even trying to go on the app store and whatnot. And yeah, here we are and it's affecting, you know, the metaverse uptake as well. Um, like scaling blockchains is, yeah, probably another one we talked about last week with respect to gaming. Um, you know, more or less just the same issue of, you know, the blockchain is still, you know, experimental at the end of the day. Um, so I would say risks would would apply also for when you're considering uh, investing in, in gaming. Um, but I think also like a really good way to end it, Nick, I saw you, you wrapped up your report with sort of a nice, you know, sort of conclusion talking about uh, time horizons. Can you maybe just well define what, what even, what does time horizon even mean? And then just explain how you sort of wrapped it up here with respect to metaverses. Yeah, so I guess the way I looked at this is your time horizon is the time you put, I guess, on when you want to get in and out of things or like your viewpoint, um, whether it's going to be something for the next year or whether you're looking at it, you know, for the next 10 years. So in the case of Metaverse, that was a main takeaway is that it's sort of a decor, a year to decade long time horizon uh, that you really should pay attention to and, and acknowledge because it is very risky. Um, especially with some unproven technology with serious risks like this. So it's something you really should be prepared of um, to look at it in that context of a decade long thing. Whereas, you know, it's, it's not going to be a month to a deck to a year sort of narrative. So important to understand that. Uh, I think before you go deeper into, I think into the metaverse, which we'll explore more in part two in an upcoming report. Yeah, very well said. Um, could you maybe just end with a, a bit of a tease? What's what's coming up in uh, part two, Nick? 
So part two is going to look at similar like the gaming report, um, five different ways you can get exposure right. to this uh, metaverse trend if it's something that you are really interested in. So I'll go through crypto native ways and then also explore some non-crypto ways, um, you know, who are the, the real plumbing of the metaverse. Mm. Mm, no, exciting stuff. Looking forward to you know reading it on the on the collective shift platform and then also breaking it down at a later stage uh in a recording session just like this. But yes, as I did say earlier, this post, part one of the metaverse a state of play, was recently published on the collective shift platform and is an example of the type of content that we produce to help our valued members save time and make informed decisions. If you are wanting to level up your crypto game, Book in a free strategy call over at our website at collectiveshift.io. That's collectiveshift.io. You can book in a free strategy call with our CEO, Ben, and you can fill up his calendar, uh, bugging him with all sorts of questions related to your crypto strategy. Uh, but until then, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you next time. 